Today's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise for spiritual blessings in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us from the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of grace, God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillments, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Sana. Good morning. Lovely to see you, or most of you. Eyes up. Um, It'd be great if you could have uh, this passage uh, open on a device or uh, maybe even a real Bible. I've got mine in what someone has uh, rather playfully described as my Chinese takeaway menu. Um, (laughs) We're going to be looking at uh, this wonderful passage at the start of a whole study of the first three chapters of this letter to the Ephesians. And today we're going to be thinking about purpose. You know, we all need purpose, don't we? We need a reason to get up in the morning. And some of us have had the kind of tragic experience of elderly parents who decide, actually, you know what? There isn't any purpose anymore. And they they actually decide to go. Uh, Some of you might have had that experience. I've just been at the diocesan conference I think you'll hear a bit about that as I go through today. And uh, went out on a bike ride with uh, Tim Fox, who's a, a vicar in West Bridgeford. And we were cycling up near Kreitch, and he pointed to a farmhouse and he said, I used to live there as a teenager in that house. And every time I pass it, I feel really sad because it had been in a farming family for many generations. And this farmer who owned the, the property had a son and a grandson, but they weren't interested in taking it on, and so they sold it, and we took it on. And he said, and a week later, he died. He'd lost his purpose. And um, I wonder what you would describe as your purpose today. We all need purpose, don't we? And as we look at this passage I hope that you will have your, your vision expanded to see 
that if you're a Christian, you have a purpose which is amazing. Now, as I've reflected on this, I have, um, I've come up with a theory, and I'm going to share that with you straight away. Uh, and it is this. The more your purpose is about you, the smaller it is. And the more your purpose is not about you, the bigger it is. Now, I know I might get in trouble for being political, but as I watched the presidency of uh, Donald Trump, it seemed to me that everything was reduced to being about him. Uh, Foreign policy, the economy, the Constitution, it only mattered if it was benefiting him. And it seemed to me that he had this capacity to diminish everything. Nothing really mattered quite as much, because it was just about him. And by contrast, I think of Nelson Mandela, who for, how many years was he in Robben Island Prison? 27 years. 27 years locked away in a prison. But if you read his autobiography, A Long Walk to Freedom, you'll hear him talking about what they did in prison. I've got a little quote here. He says this, I was now on the sidelines, but I also knew that I would not give up the fight. I was in a different and smaller arena, an arena for whom the only audience was ourselves and our oppressors. We regarded the struggle in prison as a microcosm of the struggle as a whole. We would fight inside as if we, as we had fought outside. The racism and repression were the same. I would simply have to fight on different terms. And you know what they spent this day doing? Breaking rocks with a hammer. But as far as he was concerned, he was not just breaking rocks with a hammer. He was, he was engaging in a struggle for justice. And that completely changed how he lived. And you remember the day when he walked out of, I will never forget, seeing on television, the day he walked out of prison. Such dignity, such kindness towards his prisoners, prison officers, and towards uh, de Klerk, who was present at that time. And that man had lived with purpose, even though he'd been spending his days just breaking rocks. So let's think about our purpose. Because you see, I think that I can be like President Trump. I may, may be critical of him, but you know, I get like that. But it's all, it only matters if it's about me. I, I, I get self-obsessed. I get thinking about maybe how I compare to other people trying to work out my life as some kind of heroic, epic drama all about Steve Sylvester. And do you know what? It's pretty pathetic. And everything is diminished when it's just about me. But today, we have the opportunity to hear some good news. Written by Paul from prison in Ephesus. Yes, from prison. This, this letter, which, is, which paints such an, an amazing uh, picture of purpose, was written by a man in prison. 
written to the churches generally, but in our Bibles it's known as the letter to the Ephesians. And he says this, well, he, the essence of what he's saying is this, that in Jesus we are invited into a life that has supreme significance because it's about God and it's not just about ourselves. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, because there's part of you, if you're anything like me, would li- that would like me to be saying, it's all about you. But there's a choice. Either we can have a life of huge significance that's not about us, or we can have a life that is about us and is ultimately insignificant. This is, this is a bit difficult to swallow, I realize. Just take it in, but it's the truth. If your life is about you, in the grand scheme of things, it is insignificant. If your life is not about you, if it's about God, it becomes hugely significant. It's what Jesus talked about, isn't it? But he said, you know, you can, you can hold on to your life or lose your, and lose your soul. Or you can give your life away and gain your soul. You can't have both. And I think in our individualistic society, this is, this is actually very countercultural. It's quite hard to even get our heads around, really, or, or our emotions around, isn't it? Because we are told, rubbish. You can have your nice little religion, but don't for in any way think that that is significant. That's, you know, we're tolerant. We accept that's what you believe. Pat on the head. But it doesn't make any difference. Your real significance is found in how much you earn, how famous you are, and how many likes you get on social media. So go chasing those if you want significance. Well, today we're going to be hearing about something which is completely different. And it's all about having significance because we have a life in Christ. I wonder whether you noticed in the passage how many times that phrase is used. Let me just uh, read it. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in him. He's given us his glorious grace freely in the one he loves. In him we have redemption. In Christ he's going to bring everything together in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him you were chosen. You are included in Christ. You are marked in him. It's all about being in Christ. What does that mean? I wonder whether today you can say, absolutely, I am in Christ. How do we get in Christ? Well, the answer is, it's through a death. It's through dying. And it's acted out when we baptize people in our, in our baptistry. People go, the only other time you go down into a hole in the ground is when you're buried. But you go down into a hole in the ground and you are 
baptized, put under water, you die to your own life. You say, it's not about me anymore. It's about you, Lord Jesus, because you are the one who is Lord. I'm, 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 I'm acknowledging you as Lord as I die, and I'm going to be, and I rise to a new life in Christ. You are in Christ. And what this passage tells us is that everything that Christ has, now you have, because you are in him. So we're going to be thinking about that and about purpose. We're going to be thinking over the next few weeks about how we have power in Christ. We have life in Christ. We have peace in Christ. We have freedom in Christ. We have love in Christ. Now maybe over lockdown, our worlds shrunk. I wonder whether they did. They became little worlds. They became little worlds geographically. They became little worlds because, you know, we sit in our houses and we think, oh, that needs changing, doesn't it? Mm, that need, need a little, little, little bit of paint there. We, oh, why don't we have a new kitchen? Oh, yes. And, and it all becomes about this little world in which we inhabit. I think that happened to us over lockdown. I think we became more self-obsessed. Spent more time looking in the mirror. And I think we became more anxious as a consequence. Because, you know, when my world is all about me, actually, I'm full of anxiety. Everything is to be worried about. It all matters so much to me. But the great thing about being in Christ is that we are set free for a bigger purpose. So I'm just going to be sharing a little bit about that now. And I think God's been talking to us very strongly already as a church. Uh, I, I think he was saying things about this uh, when we gathered for central prayer. It spoke very powerfully last Sunday evening uh, in the service then uh, on similar things. God is calling us to re rediscover our purpose in Christ. So let's move on. Here's the first point. We have a purpose because God has a will, and he has a strong will. You know, God is not one of those indulgent parents who says, well, what do you want to do, darling? Whatever you want to do, darling, I'll support you. I'm, you can be anything. That's the message of our How stupid is that? You can be anything. Oh, yes, I want to be an international basketball player. At five foot seven, eight on a good day. <laughs> Ridiculous. No, God is, a, God is a father who has a will. He has a strong will. Look at what it says in this passage. Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That's why he's an apostle. Not because it was a good idea. We are adopted as sons in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 5. Verse 9. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. And verse 11. God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God knows what he wants. He has a will. And if we, as these little temporary beings on a little planet in the universe, are to have any purpose 
at all that's worth talking about. It's as part of that will. That's the only reason we have any purpose. Because it's part of God's will. When I was um, working for Nottingham Forest as their chaplain, uh, there was a, a very talented young player in the academy. Uh, he was one of those pe- players who could, you know, he, he was an exciting player. He could do different things. Uh, he was a striker. And his parents were convinced he was going to have a great career in football. On his 18th birthday, they bought him a car with a personalized number plate. But you know, that young man never made it. And the reason he never made it was because he could not accept that to be a successful footballer, he had to work out what the manager wanted and do that. And if we are going to have a significant life, it's because we know what the manager wants. And he has a strong will. He wants things. And God's purposes for you and for me are good because his will is good. He's not a tyrant. He's not someone who, he's not a kind of divine Donald Trump where it's all about me, me, me. He is a generous God of love. And so as he works out his purposes, his purposes for you and for me are good. Let's just look at some of the things it says. In verse 4, he chose us in Christ. Why? To be holy and blameless in his sight. Let's just think about that. To be holy and blameless. And by the way, did you notice that's exactly how Paul addresses the churches that he's writing to? To God's holy people in Ephesus. God's holy people. We had a visit at the Diocesan Conference from Stephen Cottrell, who's Archbishop of York, and he told us this little story. He said that on his day off, he was going into town, and he was accosted by one of those people taking surveys. And uh, he, he got into conversation with the clipboard and was asked a lot of questions. And basically, this person was trying to find out how much he earned without asking him directly. And so they asked him, uh, what would you really like to be? And he said he had one of those moments when um, he found some truth coming out of his mouth that he hadn't, hadn't actually gone through his brain. And, and, and he said, I really want to be a saint. <laughs> the woman looked down her list of categories <laughs> and saint wasn't there. And he, he said, no, that's, that's what I really want to be. I, I want to be holy. I, I want to be someone who shines for God. Well, the good news is that that is why God has called you. He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight. And this does not mean that we all look the same. Because there is a unique way in which you can be holy, set aside for God's purpose. There's a unique way in which you can be blameless before him. I I sometimes think it's like one huge jigsaw. And, you know, we, we look at the other piece of the jigsaw and say, oh, it's not fair. I'm just a white bit of sky. 
like everyone else. You've got lots of detail on your, your little piece. You're far more interesting. I want to be like you. But actually... You know when you do the deep jigsaw, if you've, if you've lost a little piece of sky, it's really annoying, isn't it? You, know, you, you want every piece to play its part. And he went on to say, you know, when I get to heaven, God is not going to ask me, you know, why were you not Nelson Mandela? Why were you not Mother Teresa? He's going to say, why, why were you not Steve Sylvester? For goodness sake, that's what I made you to be. Only you can play that role. It's unique, holy and blameless in my sight. Get on with it. So that's a good purpose, isn't it? For each of us to be holy and blameless in God's sight. He made us to know the mystery of his will. Wow, you know... I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes when I think about the hueness of the, the universe, the galaxies, and so on, I think, we're just a little speck, aren't we? What's it all about? What is it all about? Well, we are told in verse 10. You see what it said? Well, let me begin at verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. What is that purpose? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That is actually a little allusion to the temple. <clears throat> so, in Israel's worship, the temple was seen as the place where heaven and earth met. And what Paul is saying is that actually where heaven and earth meet is in Christ who's fully God and fully human. And we're in Christ. So, and the, the purpose of everything, the reason anything exists, is so that Christ will be head over all, everything finding their unity in him. That's what it's all about. Now just think about that. That is really important. Because that means... That everything matters. Everything you do matters if you're in Christ. Because you're, you are at the, the touching point between earth and heaven. Everything matters. It's not like, oh, I just have to sit around and wait for the big thing. You know, the big job, the big opportunity, the big conversation. Everything matters. When you're washing those dishes, it matters. When you're doing the shopping. It matters. When you're changing that nappy, it matters. Because you are part of this first fruits, bringing your life under Christ, which is the goal of everything. It's where it's all going. And thirdly, he included us in Christ, verse 13. And you also, he's talking to people who are not Jewish, and I guess that's pretty well most of us here today. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of, the, of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That's, that's a lovely image, isn't it? I have a, a, a picture of a port where you know, goods are coming through and some things are sealed with you know, a bit of wax and a stamp 
that belongs to so-and-so. That belongs to Christ. That belongs to Christ. That belongs to Christ. You belong to Christ. Stamped, sealed with the Holy Spirit. The mark of Christ. So when all those goods are processed, where are they going? They're all going to Christ. You're Christ. And it's a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The word in Greek is arabon, which is used in modern Greek for an engagement ring. It's like the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit when you, when you are in Christ. And it's great because it's the power of God living inside you, enabling you to live the life of Christ. But it's only a down payment. It's like the engagement ring. We've still got the wedding ring to come. It's a taste of everything that is to come. So these are wonderful things that are ours in Christ. This is the secret of our purpose. We're chosen to be holy and blameless in him. We're given the secret to know the mystery of his will. We're included in Christ. And in Christ we're given all the wonderful blessings that Christ himself has. Because, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ. We're adopted into God's family. Adoption in the Roman world was a big deal. Who was the emperor who followed Julius Caesar? Anyone know? He's mentioned in the, in the Bible, in Luke's Gospel, it's Augustus. Augustus had on his coins that he was the son of, of Julius Caesar. He wasn't actually. He was Augustus, Octavian was his name, was actually Julius Caesar's great nephew. And you know when Julius Caesar was killed, the Ides of March, his will was read and everyone gasped. Ah, he has an heir. It's Octavian. Because Octavian has been adopted as his son. And so when we are adopted in Christ, we're given all the rights and all the responsibilities of being an heir of God. When God sees us, he sees Jesus. You're my child. And we live with the same purpose as Christ. And so where is it all going? Let me just pick out something else from this passage. Everything begins with God and everything ends with his glory. You are sons and daughters. Why? To the praise of his glorious grace. I'm changing this nappy to the praise of his glorious grace. I'm teaching this class to the praise of his glorious grace. I'm supervising this employee to the praise of his glorious grace. I'm doing this shopping to the praise of his glorious grace. It's all about that. How can I be a saint? How can I shine for his glory? In the ordinary things of life. That's why we do St. Nick's every day. You are chosen in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory. It's where it's all going. It's all going so that we will be in a wonderful worship environment for the rest of our eternal lives 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And the first blessing we have is purpose. So when the alarm bell goes tomorrow, yes, and Caroline, yes, another day, another day to live out this wonderful purpose to the praise of his glory and grace. I am that little jigsaw piece that really matters. I'm uniquely called to be a saint, to reflect the glory of God, to know him, to live as his son and daughter to the praise of his glory and grace. Amen.